With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy, and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22, or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. Curious about your future, your love life, or these crazy times of uncertainty? Let our sponsor, Psychic Source, who's been seen on Good Morning America, help with your life's difficult questions. Psychic Source is a 24-7 phone, online chat, and video psychic service that has been providing psychic readings for over 30 years to people just like you. They have over 300 of the most experienced, genuinely gifted psychics in the world and are available to you right now. Go to Apple or Google Play and download the Psychic Source app. If you're a first-time Psychic Source customer, you can save up to 80% off your first live reading. Be sure to use promo code MONSTER when you sign up. You can get a 10-minute reading for as low as 10 bucks. plus you'll get a free 3 minutes on your first paid reading. When you have an online chat reading, you can save your transcripts for free. This way, you can always have access to your past readings and never have to take notes or remember what your psychic said during your reading. We know uncertainty can be scary. Let the gifted professional advisors at Psychic Source give you some peace of mind. Celebrities and politicians get psychic readings for advice. Now you can too. There's nothing better than being prepared for your future. Don't forget to use our secret promo code, MONSTER, when you sign up to have your first reading. It's unique to our This Is Monsters listeners. If you want to sign up over the phone, call one of their friendly customer service representatives who can help. Call 1-800-355-9214 and mention promo code MONSTER for your first discount. For some reason, Patrick Frazee wanted his girlfriend and mother of his child dead. He tried to get someone else to kill her, but when they wouldn't, he decided he had to take matters into his own hands. This is Monsters. 
Patrick Frazee was born on November 1, 1988 in Colorado to Sheila Frazee, but there isn't much information about his father outside that he died in 2018. He had a brother, Sean, and a sister, Erin. After high school, Patrick earned a master's degree in finance from the University of Miami. He moved back to his family's ranch in Florissant, Colorado, where it says online that he worked as an investment banker, but it actually seemed that he worked at a ranch near his home. Patrick met a woman named Crystal Kenny in 2006. Even though she was married at the time, she fell for Patrick and quickly found out that she was pregnant with his baby. Patrick didn't want a baby and told her to get an abortion, so she did. They dated off and on for the next 10 years, during which time Patrick encouraged her to leave her husband something she wouldn't end up doing until 2016. In 2010, Patrick started dating a woman named Vanessa Curie. She would say in an interview that he was fine for a few months, then he started playing mind games with her. He would ignore her calls for days at a time, then suddenly call her in the middle of the night, claiming he had seen visions of her in a wedding dress. She said she endured his emotional abuse for years, like she was under his spell. She said in 2014 she read the definition of a psychopath and realized that it perfectly described him. She finally left him in 2014. Patrick wasn't done with his relationship with Crystal by then, though. The couple reconnected in 2017, and she also fell under his spell. She said she just couldn't say no to him, even when she found out he was seeing someone else. Kelsey Barreth was born on September 15, 1989, in Washington State. She grew up in Moses Lake, which was two and a half to three hours east on I-90 from Seattle. Her parents, Daryl and Cheryl Barreth, had a farm in the area, and she had a younger brother, Clint. Kelsey wanted to be a crop duster since she was a little girl, and after high school, she studied aviation at a college in Moses Lake. After graduation, she became a flight instructor in Washington. She eventually met Patrick online, and he convinced her to move to Colorado in 2016. She settled in the small town of Woodland Park and found a job at DOS Aviation in Pueblo, which was about an hour commute. Woodland Park was only about 20 minutes from Florissant, though. Her mother said she was a huge fan of Starbucks coffee and running. Patrick's mother, Sheila, was not a huge fan of Kelsey's, though. Kelsey told a friend that Sheila actually hated her, one time calling her a prostitute. On October 5, 2017, Kelsey gave birth to her and Patrick's daughter, Kaylee. She was born three weeks premature and had to spend time in the neonatal intensive care unit. When Patrick tried to see his baby after she was born, he was told by nurses that she had to be placed in an incubator and she wouldn't be able to be in Kelsey's room. He blew up and became verbally abusive to the nursing staff, making them have to call security. It prompted them to also call social services and have the couple evaluated to ensure Kelsey wasn't being physically abused by Patrick before they would let them take Kaylee home. Kelsey's mom, Cheryl, said that Patrick brought up the incident at Kaylee's first birthday and said he should have killed the nurse. Kelsey and Patrick didn't live together. Kelsey told her mother that it was cheaper to live separately, which doesn't make sense. It was most likely something that Patrick told her to explain why he was reluctant to commit. Kelsey told her mother that they were planning to move in together, but it never seemed to come to fruition. On November 22, 2018, 29-year-old Kelsey was seen at the local Safeway grocery store with Kaylee. They picked up some ingredients for Thanksgiving dinner before returning to Kelsey's condo. A few hours later, Patrick went to a Walmart in the area and could be seen on surveillance camera before he went to Kelsey's condo. Leslie Jackson lived next door to Kelsey in her building. 
She had a very nice security system installed in her condo that included three cameras, one of which was angled in such a way that it picked up Kelsey's front door. The camera was motion-activated, so any time someone came in and out of Kelsey's front door, they would be captured on video. Not wanting to invade her neighbor's privacy, Leslie informed Kelsey of the situation and asked if it was okay or if she wanted her to move the camera. Kelsey seemed more than happy to have her own front door covered by her neighbor's security system, and so the camera was left the way it was. When Patrick arrived at Kelsey's condo, all three of them can be seen on Leslie's surveillance camera at the front door at 1.23 p.m. Inside, they put Kaylee into her playpen, and Patrick asked Kelsey to play a little game with him. He blindfolded her and said he was going to light different candles and see if she could guess the scent. Patrick wrapped a sweater around her head and left to go get what he needed. Kelsey most likely thought he was getting the candles, but what Patrick really needed was a baseball bat. When he returned, he began beating Kelsey in the head with the bat, killing her. Between 4.20 and 4.30 p.m., the neighbor's surveillance camera caught Patrick going in and out of Kelsey's condo multiple times. Within that time frame, Patrick also called his house and told his mother that he was running late but would be home soon to have Thanksgiving dinner with his family. Patrick then drove back to his home in Florissant and had Thanksgiving dinner with his family. The whole time, Kelsey's body was in a large black tote in the back of his red Toyota pickup truck. Kelsey's phone would also ping off of cell towers, putting it in Florissant when Kelsey's mother received a text message at 5.31 p.m. It read, quote, we went shooting today. It was so much fun shooting my gun again. Patrick is going to let me keep it. I will feel safe running again. End quote. The message was sent by Patrick to make it look like Kelsey was still alive. He didn't stop there, though. Not only did he send more text messages back and forth to and from her phone, he also used her phone to make phone calls to himself lasting anywhere from less than a minute to more than 16 minutes. Records show that when the calls were made, both phones were in the same location. On Sunday, a text message was sent to Kelsey's boss explaining that her grandmother was sick and she wouldn't be able to come to work the following week. Soon after the murder, Patrick called Crystal, who was living in Twin Falls, Idaho at the time. He told her that she needed to come to Woodland Park and help him clean up the crime scene. Crystal, not being able to say no to Patrick, made the 12-hour drive to Woodland Park where she was faced with the bloody scene. Crystal shouldn't have been surprised by the murder, though, because he had made plans with Crystal to kill Kelsey multiple times before. Patrick had tried to convince Crystal to poison one of Kelsey's Starbucks drinks, even discussing what drugs she might have access to being a nurse. Another time, he gave Crystal a metal pipe and told her to kill her with that. When she returned the pipe to Patrick, he asked her if she had a baseball bat and told her to just swing away. He had told Crystal that Kelsey was abusing Kaylee, and that's why she needed to die. When Crystal told him she couldn't do it, he said, quote, It's not about me or you, it's about my baby girl, and you're failing her, end quote. Give me a break. Since he couldn't get someone else to kill Kelsey, he had to take matters into his own hands, but he would need help getting away with it. Once in Woodland Park, Patrick described exactly what he had done, and Crystal got to work cleaning up. She worked with a hairnet, white cover suit, gloves, and booties in order to not leave any evidence of her presence behind. She cleaned blood off the walls, windows, ceiling, kitchen appliances, sofa, even some of Kaylee's stuffed animals. She even found a whole tooth that had been inside Kaylee's mouth not long before. Patrick actually told her he knocked out five, but he had only found four and told her to keep an eye out for it. 
Crystal put all of the blood-soaked items into garbage bags and hauled them out to her car. At various times on November 24th, both Crystal and Patrick are caught on surveillance at a gas station. One time, Patrick is on camera filling a gas can. In the days that followed the murder, Patrick stored the black tote in a barn he rented on a ranch in a neighboring county. After a few days, he picked up the tote and took it out to his ranch in Florissant, where he met Crystal. She helped him unload the tote from his truck and then piled the garbage bags from Kelsey's condo on top of it. Crystal collected some scrap wood from the property and put it in the pile. Patrick dumped the can of gas and a quart of oil onto the pile and lit it with a match. They put a few pieces of corrugated metal over the fire in a way that would ensure the fire could burn but wouldn't get too high. When Patrick was sure that the fire would be enough to destroy all the evidence, Crystal turned to go to her car. But when she glanced over at the house, she noticed that Patrick's mom was watching them. It was reported later that Patrick's mom posted a message on social media on November 22nd that said, quote, Yay, the witch is dead, end quote. But investigators confirmed that the Sheila Frazee that posted the message was not the same woman and it was just a coincidence. That being said, I can only assume that Patrick's mother knew exactly what was being burned that day. When Crystal left Colorado and headed back to Idaho, she took Kelsey's phone with her. She continued sending text messages before destroying the phone not long after sending the text message to Kelsey's boss on Sunday the 25th. By December 1st, when Kelsey's mother, Cheryl, hadn't heard from her since Thanksgiving, she became worried and planned a trip to Woodland Park. Kelsey's parents lived in northern Idaho by then, so her brother, Clint, traveled from his home in Tacoma, Washington, to his mother's house, and then they flew down to Colorado together. When Cheryl and Clint entered the condo, they immediately felt that it was too warm. When they checked the thermostat, it was set at 72 degrees. Cheryl thought it would be strange for her daughter to have the heat up that high when she was home. The fact that she had clearly been away made it that much more unusual. As a native Pacific Northwesterner, I can tell you that it's pretty standard practice to turn your thermostat down to a temperature that will keep your home just warm enough to prevent the pipes from freezing if you're going to be gone in colder months. They also noticed that a plate of cinnamon rolls had been left out on the counter to the point that they were nearly rock hard. Then, in the bathroom, they saw that her toothbrush and makeup kit were on the counter. If she had left for a few days, she would have taken those with her. The next day, when they still couldn't get a hold of Kelsey, Cheryl finally gave in and called Patrick. Patrick told her that they had broken up and he didn't know where she was. He didn't show any concern, just said that their relationship was over and he didn't know anything else. When she finally convinced him to try to call Kelsey, he begrudgingly agreed, but said he had to take care of his cows first. Cheryl was shocked that the mother of his child was missing and he needed to take care of his cows before he would call her. It wasn't until they discovered blood in the bathroom that they really started to panic. There were little tiny droplets of blood on the toilet and some inside the bathtub. Now it was time for them to call the police. When the Woodland Park police searched Kelsey's condo, they didn't find anything suspicious besides the drops of blood in the bathroom. There was no sign of forced entry and no signs of a struggle. On December 4th, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation got involved in the case and they searched Kelsey's condo again and brought in a bloodhound who was trained to smell decomposing bodies. At even the slightest scent of a dead body, the bloodhound, Lucy, would lay down. That was her indicator. There were two vehicles parked in the driveway of Kelsey's condo. They walked Lucy around the Chevy Silverado and Lucy didn't find anything, but when they walked her around the Toyota Corolla, Lucy laid down. When they searched the vehicle, they found a bloody sock on the front seat. 
They would also learn that Lucy hit at the same spot that Crystal had set down the garbage bags full of crime scene remains. Though police gave a press conference where they said they had no suspects, they were definitely looking hardest at Patrick, especially when they started gathering cell phone data. It's crazy to think that Patrick would believe he would be able to get away with this crime while having Kelsey's phone with him for days and then sending it to Idaho with Crystal. This isn't an old crime. This was at the end of 2018. Cell phone location data was not a newly discovered thing. He literally called and texted back and forth with Kelsey's phone in the same place. Who in 2018 wouldn't know that police could track at least which cell phone tower was being used? It just seems absolutely ridiculous that Patrick thought he would get away with this. Then they started checking surveillance videos. On top of the video caught by Kelsey's neighbor, a surveillance camera in the parking lot of a furniture store caught Patrick driving to and from Kelsey's condo multiple times. It even caught him in the Walmart parking lot. In the bed of his truck was a dog kennel and a black tote, always in the same position. On his last trip through town, though, the tote was in a different place in the bed of his truck. He had clearly moved the tote for some reason. Authorities didn't know yet that Kelsey's body was actually in that tote when they saw it on video. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy, and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22, or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. When investigators had enough evidence for a search warrant, they searched the ranch where Patrick lived with his mother. Inside, they found articles of clothing they believed were Kelsey's, keys, a tablet, ammunition, and a receipt from Walmart for November 22nd. They also found a Swiffer and a bottle of bleach that had blood on them, and an envelope that contained four human teeth. A fifth tooth was found outside by the burn pit, most likely the one that Crystal had cleaned up. The cell phone records clearly pointed to Crystal as someone who was involved in the disappearance of Kelsey. She was brought in for questioning on December 14th, where she attempted to relay the story that Patrick had told her to tell. Except that Patrick was too stupid to know that investigators had gotten phone records. So when Crystal tried to tell them she hadn't spoken to Patrick on the phone in at least a month or a month and a half, they knew she was lying. They asked her where she was on November 24th, and she told them she had visited Patrick at his home. She claimed to have been at his ranch from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and then went back home the next day. They knew that wasn't true because they had the phone records that showed the two communicating throughout the day, and their phones were rarely in the same location. They asked her if he gave her a phone to dispose of, and she said no. 
They also knew that was a lie because, as Crystal traveled back to Idaho, both her and Kelsey's cell phones continually pinged off the exact same cell towers. Unless Kelsey was stalking her, Crystal definitely had her cell phone. For now, they let her go, but the interview confirmed what they suspected, that Crystal had definitely had something to do with Kelsey's disappearance. As the investigation continued, authorities talked to Crystal's ex-husband and her friends. Eventually, enough pressure built that when the FBI showed up at her house on December 17th, she agreed to cooperate. She took authorities to the Frazy Ranch and pointed out exactly where the body had been burned. We parked the truck up on top of the hill. Um, I took his truck back to the Conoco and got the facade, brought the facade back um, to here, and I parked it at the top of the hill. All right. So can you tell us now, can you walk us to where you parked and what you did after you parked? This is where the, where the aluminum top was, and this is where the, the burn occurred. Okay, so real quickly, <clears throat> were you able to tell by looking at this now, as you can see, there's a discoloration in the dirt. Was this the same way it was when you were up here, if you remember? The, is this the same looking dirt here or? Prior to the burn, no, the, the dirt was this color. The dirt was the red color? Yeah. Okay. And about where was the trough? Uh, right, right here in the middle, That's right here. All right. That gas can may have been used. <clears throat> I don't remember exactly what the gas can looked like that he was using. Okay. What about the oil? The oil was just in a, a quart oil jug. Did it have any markings or writings on it? Not that I saw. Not that We're I talking saw. about kind of the rectangular with the spout on the side, kind of typical for the oil. She also took authorities to Kelsey's condo, pointing out everywhere there was blood and went through exactly what she had done. What did you see? Um, when I first walked in, I found uh, blood all over the floor. I saw blood up the wall. I saw blood on the lift wall. Um, I started picking up things that were blood splattered that um, I would have a hard time getting blood out of. Okay. I wiped um, the toilet, the top of the toilet. Um, I turned on the uh, shower just in case there was stuff in the bottom. I didn't see anything in the bottom of the shower. All right. Did you say that you cleaned off some of the appliances? I did. I wiped the front. There was blood on the front of the dishwasher. There was blood on the front of the stove. Um, there was um, that cinnamon roll pan had blood on the um, tin foil on top of it. Oh, so the, okay, so let me go back. There was tin foil on top. On of top it? of the cinnamon roll pan, and it was sitting right there. And what did you do with the tin foil? I put it in the the rest of the stuff. Okay. Um, um, there was blood on top of the coffee maker. There was blood. Um, in fact, uh, I had to climb up. There was a blood spatter up high. How'd you climb up? I just climbed up right here. You just hold it there so you can see that. Okay, anywhere else? All, it was, um, the spray was, uh, from here all the way. Uh, I had to clean up underneath here. 
and it was all down here. And um, I, I know that I didn't get. Um, there. I don't know that I got some of this underneath here because I didn't move the chairs to get it. Okay. By the time they had gone to the scene, Patrick had a ranch hand fill in the burn area and cover it with fresh dirt. On December 21st, at 8.40 a.m., Patrick Frazee was arrested for first-degree murder and solicitation of first-degree murder. The following week, he was also charged with tampering with a deceased human body. While Patrick was in jail awaiting his trial, Kaylee was placed with Kelsey's parents. Now, not only were they hoping for justice for their daughter, but they also hoped for a conviction so they wouldn't have to give their granddaughter back to their daughter's murderer. Little did they know, even before the trial started, their fears would be unnecessary. Patrick's lawyers told him that they didn't plan to call any witnesses. He had given them a list of character witnesses they could call, but when they interviewed those people, every single one of them believed that their client was capable of murder, and all of them had nothing but good things to say about Kelsey. With the exception of his mother, who was well known for hating Kelsey, there was nobody that would support Patrick. The prosecution was so confident in their case that they turned down the defense's suggestion of a plea bargain. Just like with the murder of Kelsey, it looked like Patrick was going to have to take his defense into his own hands. His trial hadn't started, and his lawyers were already failing him. When Patrick got to prison, he would have to fear the other murderers locked in with him. But in jail, Patrick was an alleged murderer amongst drunk drivers, druggies, and petty thieves. Most people kept clear of him, with the exception of one other inmate, Jacob Bentley. Jacob was in jail for 30 days for failing to appear in court on a robbery charge. He had tattoos that displayed his gang affiliations, and unlike the other inmates, he wasn't scared of Patrick. When Jacob first started talking to him, he flat out asked him if he did it. Patrick claimed his innocence, but eventually, he decided that Jacob was the person who would be able to fix his current problems. Later that day, he passed a note to Jacob that had been written on a piece of paper towel. It would be the first of many notes that Patrick would pass to Jacob. When the trial began, the prosecution was still confident in their case. The defense put all their eggs in the basket that Crystal was lying, which made absolutely no sense. The defense said that Crystal only agreed to testify against Patrick in exchange for a deal. They said that she agreed to testify in exchange for next to no jail time for the crime she admitted to committing. But the crime she admitted to committing was tampering with evidence for taking Kelsey's phone back to Idaho with her. For that, she was sentenced to three years. Otherwise, everything she said was backed up by evidence. There was tons of evidence in Kelsey's condo that showed she was greatly harmed and bled a lot. There was evidence that there had been cleanup done there, and phone records showed that Crystal was in Woodland Park. Crystal wasn't lying about that. She cleaned up a crime scene at Kelsey's condo. Then the phone records showed that Patrick was the person that Crystal was communicating with while she was cleaning. Her story makes absolutely no sense if she wasn't cleaning up a crime scene for Patrick. Jacob took the stand to discuss the 17 notes that Patrick had given him. The notes were Patrick's plan to get himself acquitted since he didn't believe his lawyers would. He sent him notes that suggested Jacob use his gang connections to kill District Attorney Dan May, Crystal, and a bunch of agents with the FBI and CBI. He also suggested killing Crystal's ex-husband and Cheryl Barreth. One note pleaded for him to help and to, quote, throw me down your plans slash ideas, end quote. Of course, the defense pointed out that Jacob was a criminal who only showed the notes to the DA in exchange for a deal, something that Jacob had no problem admitting. 
Of course he wanted a deal. That didn't mean the notes didn't exist. And though jailhouse informants are usually pretty unreliable, Patrick was definitely the type of person who would try to get an inmate to help him kill people. He was clearly a self-centered douchebag, and even the list of people he thought would testify on his behalf thought so. The jury deliberated for less than four hours. Patrick Frazee was found guilty on all counts. That included first-degree murder and three counts of solicitation to commit murder. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, plus 156 years. The judge said, quote, Your actions were vicious, senseless, without reason, nor explanation. Kelsey spent her last night caring for you. You repaid that kindness by viciously beating her to death. After you beat her, you burned her body like a piece of trash. Your crimes deserve the absolute maximum punishment available. End quote. During the trial, Kaylee was in the custody of Kelsey's family, but Patrick's family filed a motion to intervene in that decision twice and were turned down both times. After the trial, Cheryl Barreth requested full custody of Kaylee through formal adoption, but the Frazee family also fought for custody. The decision was made in favor of the Barreth family, and Kaylee will be raised by her maternal grandparents. I think this is how it should be. I think if one parent murders another, the family of the victim should be the one who gets custody. I mean, Patrick's parents raised a murderer, so why should we trust them to raise Kaylee? After the trial, Crystal tried to get released from prison and granted permission to move into a halfway house, but when word got out that Crystal was making this attempt, a petition to deny her request was put together that got 4,500 signatures in 48 hours. The request was denied, but she was released on parole in March of 2021. Patrick Frazee has appealed his conviction, and there hasn't been a decision made, but it's unlikely that he will win an appeal. He spent months conspiring to have someone else kill the mother of his child. Then he planned out a ruse to blindfold Kelsey and beat her to death with a baseball bat. The evidence supports that. There is no question that he is a monster. For 40 years, the tragic drowning of Hollywood legend Natalie Wood has baffled the world. There are still suspicions about what did happen aboard the yacht. Now, from the producers of the chart-topping podcast Fatal Voyage, The Mysterious Death of Natalie Wood, comes explosive new evidence in the mystery of who was responsible for her death. Were you instructed by Robert Wagner's attorney to say nothing to authorities about what happened on the boat? Yes. This sequel to Apple Podcasts' most downloaded new show of 2018 will now expose a 40-year conspiracy of political corruption, suspected mob ties, and the tragic death of another young woman. Why would they want to kill a 13-year-old girl? And features for the first time two independently verified polygraph tests by one of the last men to see Natalie alive. Following Natalie Wood's death, have you been threatened for speaking out? Yes. This is the shocking story of how the people at the center of this cold case were silenced for decades and will reveal the long-buried secrets they're finally ready to spill in the name of justice for Natalie. Natalie Wood, Case Closed, coming soon to all major podcast platforms. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local battered women's shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online.
The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught looking for help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you might be facing. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe or follow the show to ensure you don't miss an episode, and you can leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you use. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that by checking out our merchandise at Teespring. You can also discuss the channel and the episodes on our subreddit, r forward slash thisismonsters. You can find more ways to support our show and how to find us on social media by visiting thisismonsters.com. Thanks again, and be safe. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for lucky seven. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CertaIreland.ie. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22 or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. It's flu season and children are twice as likely as adults to catch the flu which can sometimes cause serious illness. That's why all children aged 2 to 17 can get their free nasal spray flu vaccine, a safe and effective way to protect them and the rest of your family too. So make an appointment with your GP or pharmacist. Visit hsc.ie forward slash flu for more information from the HSC.